Welcome to Power Talk Podcast, where the talk is interesting, informative, and powerful. Welcome to another Power Talk Podcast with Pastor Paul Chicago and Reverend Matthew DeLeon. Hello, hello. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Hopefully, you guys are getting ready for... Actually, you just had Thanksgiving. You just had That's Thanksgiving. Right. And I, we pray that you guys had a good time. Uh, we spend time with your family. And if you yeah. were alone, yeah. actually, I just want to encourage you, you're never alone. Yeah. The Lord is always with you. And don't believe the lie that God doesn't understand you. Don't believe the lie that you're alone right. in this world. You are not alone. Just again, you cry out to God for your, for your as your strength and your help. He yes. He is your redeemer. Again, just want to make sure you understand that. You know, again, power talk is that is what we do. We talk power, and the power that we talk from comes from the Word of God. Yes. And so we want to make sure, listener, that you are encouraged during this during this holiday season. It can be a troublesome season for people, Pastor. Yes, it can. You know what I mean? Family members aren't together like they used to be. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. Uh, they're not spending the uh, the holidays with family anymore. You know, family's really been more divided, and we both can attest to that division mm-hmm. in family right now. But, you know, you just know, again, that God is your family. That's right. Listener, and, and understand that and really receive what we're saying right now so you can receive the peace of God. Yep. Yep. So with that being said, my pastor, uh, anything in the news, anything in the curtain fairs that stuck out to you just as of recently? You know, the, the news headlines are so full of stuff. I can hardly keep up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't want to ruin the holiday season. Uh, I say. <laughs> Uh, but no, for the most part, the, the only thing I can say is that I know that like, there's this, this Kyle Rittenhouse right now that he's on trial. Of course, this will, this will probably be done by the time we do this podcast Mm that this, that trial should probably be over before then. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a bad situation. What'd Um, you think about that? I don't know. Okay. So basically what had happened was, was that there were, there were a lot of protesting going on last year during the many different riots all throughout the United States. And in one of those riots, uh, there were in some of those riots, there were what you'd call do-gooders basically out there to try to stop some of the, the rioting of people breaking in and looting stores in their own community. Yes. Well, this young boy who was 17 at the time, Kyle Rittenhouse. Only 17. He was 17. He'd walked out with his gun because it is legal according to the state jurisdiction. Now, I don't know all the details as far as what part was legal and what part wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But as of up to this moment, at least, like I said, when this this podcast is played, it'll probably have already been done. But we're like on day 11 or day 12 as far as the overall trial. Wow. Um, and I would assume it's getting pretty close now to winding down because the, basically the, the, uh, the prosecution Mm -hmm. that's trying to put Kyle Rittenhouse basically in prison, they can't, they really don't have a lot on him, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even though he was carrying a gun and he killed two people and he injured somebody else with a gun. Basically it is proven beyond the shadow of a doubt based off the video evidence. Yeah. That he was defending himself and he was knocked down to the ground at the time. Even one of the defendants basically was a huge portion part of the case that got hit by one of the bullets was saying that, yeah, we attacked him. And it's he on, admitted it. He admitted it. But it's on video, too, because of what he what was even said. And all Kyle Rittenhouse was originally doing was a bunch of 
was basically saying that, look, we're going out to basically, you know, talk people out of this rioting. Sure. Get people to stop. But he's carrying a gun basically as a defense for himself. And so there's a lot of conjecture in there. I didn't go through and I haven't listened to all of it. Right. But from what it looks like, he's going to probably be let off. This could cause some more riots again. So Why, why is that? Well, because there's a liberal there there's Oh the, the agenda out there. The agenda out there is that, you know, he still did wrong. He's still in the wrong and guns are bad and people that are he's just being a vigilante and it's like okay, the video evidence prior to him even going out of him talking in front of the camera, the video evidence while he was being attacked and afterwards all validate that he wasn't out there to really intentionally hurt somebody. He never had any desire yeah. but to protect his community. Right. Uh, and so it's going to be extremely hard to put him, but it doesn't matter to the people that are one that were that believe in the looting, that believe in the wow. in the rioting, that, that hurt other people in the process. Fantastic. He just happened to be the one that didn't get hurt because he was able to defend himself. So um, it's all bad. It's crazy the times that we live in right now mm-hmm. where good is bad yep. and bad is good. Yeah, it's big time that, right? And the Apostle, the Apostle Paul talked about that. Isaiah said that. He oh, said that Isaiah. He said, woe to those who call good bad and those who call bad good. My and he said that this time would come. Wow. And we live in that time. And he was prophesying that. Yeah, he was prophesying of future events. Wow. And you speaking of prophesying, I'm not sure how this can uh, segue into this, but... I want to talk about revival. Yeah. And you've had your hand in experience in revival. I sure have, yeah. Can you remind us of when that experience was and how long did it last? Uh, it started in 1995 uh, or 1996. I'm sorry. We went to a camp in like 1996. Mm-hmm. And I had been praying, God, I've just, I don't know why, I'd just really just been excited because I didn't know how to preach or nothing at the time. I didn't really know nothing about, I was still learning the word. I was still going through some schooling of myself and mm-hmm. just really starting to dig into the word. But I knew I wanted revival. I had seen it. I, I, I'd seen it, never experienced it, but seen it. I'd started hearing about it and I was yeah. like, man, I want to be a part of that because I knew that revival was very spiritually explosive. Yeah. And so I, uh, I began to pray, and I started believing God. I want to see revival in our youth group. Now, at the time, I only was averaging about ten youth every week. Wow. Sometimes I'd hit fifteen, <laughs> and they were all very hard. Most of them were little th- thugs, so yeah. to speak, gangbangers. Yeah. Most of them were street kids. The few that I did have. And I remember I'd go in and preach, and they'd be writing notes. They'd never even listen to me, so I'd be preaching literally to the wall. And I got to the point where after about two months of doing it, because I was one of those kind of guys that didn't take take a lot of stuff from people either myself. So we kind of fit, even though I wasn't really what you call, I was never involved in gangs or anything like that. Uh, we still got along because I was hard on them as hard as they, as they were hard on me. Wow. I just wanted them to know I'm going to be more hard. Which it created, to me, did it create respect for you? It did. It created respect because they knew that, I still loved them deeply, even and I cared for them, even yeah. though I didn't put up with their baloney. Yeah. So it created a real thing because a, a real neat uh, relationship. But I remember I was praying and I was believing. Well, I'll never forget we had been planning like crazy to go to this youth camp. Yeah. 
And at the time, I was looking for people to help me counsel and, you know, and I'd already had a few teachers that were helping teach like on Sunday morning, Sunday school class and stuff. And our classes weren't real big yet or anything. Yeah. Our Thursday evening service wasn't real big or um, probably our Sunday school classes were even bigger than my Thursday evening services, the youth minister. Which is funny because they probably they probably were they were probably getting more kids in their their Sunday school classes than I would right. in a midweek service, and that's true because I remember teaching one of them. Yeah, I had at least twenty kids. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying, and that was normal, and that was just the junior high. That it wasn't was junior even, high. I was teaching junior that high. That wasn't even all of the youth. High, high school. school, all part of the youth. Yes. Wow. Oh, so that weekend, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Something like that. I don't remember the exact because it's it's been 30 years, almost 25 years ago. But I do remember him. He sent a fax to us in those days. And um, What's a fax? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically a machine that's uh, hooked up to your phone service. Yeah. And basically, instead of emailing it, it's like a type of phone email. And it would, it would print out the paper... Through a phone, uh, through your phone service, and it would literally be sent over a phone line. Wow! And he had sent this to Pastor Arthur, mm-hmm. and he said, "Give this to your youth minister." And he says, "You are about to experience revival in the youth." Well, and those were his words. And those were his words. And I remember I was so ecstatic because the prophet of God had heard this, and we hadn't even gone to the the camp yet. And he's never heard your prayers. You never, never, you you never conversed with. I never even communicated with him. He didn't even know me. He didn't even know who I was. He only knew Pastor Arthur, and yet he's telling Pastor Arthur, "You youth about ready to go through a revival." I'm like, "That's God, man." Okay. And Pastor Arthur gave it to me. I don't think he thought much about it. I know I did because I was like, "That's what I've been praying for." Right. And this all stuff was still new to me, though. Really quick, I want to get some background on the prayer. Mm-hmm. What, what exactly were you praying? When you say you're praying, what exactly were you praying, and how often were okay. you praying? I didn't know how to pray, yeah, and I didn't know what to pray. Okay, so I just said, God, I know we're going to see revival. So it was more declaration than it prayer. was more declaration. That was all it was. I just kept declaring it. We're going to see revival, God. Your spirit's going to move, God. We're going to get these kids filled with your spirit, Lord. And that's all I really knew how to pray. I didn't really know, like, was there a was there a script to use? Was there specific wording? I love it. No, I didn't know any of that. I just knew by faith. Mm-hmm. What I saw, mm-hmm. I just kind of speak that out into the airwaves and just believed it. What did you see exactly then? When you say you saw that. I you... saw kids just dancing and praising God. I just saw them excited and all of a sudden wanting Jesus. Wow. Kids wow. that didn't want Jesus were asking Jesus into their heart. I saw salvation. I saw healings. So you saw all this unfolding. I saw all this unfolding in my heart. And, and you know, 
And I just believe that, though. More than anything, even what I wasn't clear on what I saw, I just believed it. And so I went and just would pray that. I didn't even really know. In fact, I probably didn't even pray for anything else. You just spoke it out. I just kept speaking that out. I was like a, I was like a broken record. That's all I could speak on. I, if I needed healing, I didn't even pray for it. If you needed healing, I didn't pray for that. I didn't care about anything else. Revival. I just cared about revival. Remember the sticker? It was something or bust. So yeah. yours was revival or it's revival bust. or bust. And if we didn't get revival, I don't know what's going to happen. But I was so convinced that, that that youth camp. So I ended up. I invited a very popular, very well known throughout all of the Latin countries minister and he happened to be a regular guest minister at our praise center church when i was there yeah and he was funny he was a he's a ventriloquist he's a great musician who's written written several worship songs that have been played throughout the church over yeah. the years so he's ideal you'd want oh, him he's perfect he's funny uh, and I thought, oh, man, this is the guy that the young people are going to love. Yeah. They're going to love this guy. If revival starts, it's going to be because of him. Right. So I remember I invited him, and I paid him really good mm-hmm. to come and minister at our youth camp. First night that he was there, good service, but the kids did not respond. It was almost like they didn't care. So I'm like, okay. Okay, so it's Friday night. Nothing happened. We got there Friday afternoon. Friday night, he was going to preach. Nothing happened. So I'm like, well... Okay, Saturday morning, because he's going to preach again on Saturday morning. It's going to happen Saturday morning. God, I know it's going to happen Saturday morning. Nope, nothing happened. I'm like, oh, man, Lord. Okay, so Saturday night, he's going to preach one more message on Saturday night. God's going to move, and he's going to minister to them, and they're going to get on fire for God. Nope, he walked out as soon as he was done. I had to go catch him and give him his check. I walked back in and I'm like, well, Lord, maybe when we get home then, maybe revival is going to happen somewhere else. Okay, so it's going to, I was just so convinced revival is going to happen. So I didn't think much about it. Yeah. I'm standing up front and I'm telling all the kids, okay, guys, we're going to go, go play some games now. Uh, the cafeteria is open, there's cookies. And while I was saying it, I began to weep. Yeah, do you remember this moment? I remember the moment. I was actually telling them, we're done. And you guys get ready to go have some fun, have some free time, go play basketball. We'll do some games. We'll go, we'll go eat cook. You know, I was telling them all the stuff that was going to come. I was a little disappointed because I thought revival was going to start with, with this minister. Right. Yeah. 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 And it didn't. So I'm literally like, I wasn't getting up to preach. In fact, I had no intention to get up and preach. I just shared with the young people a little bit. And then I started telling them where to go. And while I was telling them, I instantly began to weep. And I'm like, I had to tell them I'm sorry. I apologized a couple times because I was like, I don't know why I'm feeling it. I felt this heat. Wow. And I felt this heat all over me and I just couldn't stop crying. Wow. Well, all the kids are kind of like, what's going on? My leaders are like, what's going on? I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Because I'm literally mentally conscious of like what's going on thinking this is weird, but I can't stop crying. Wow. So I'm sitting there crying mm-hmm. and I'm crying. And I'm like, Lord, stop. I can't stop. But I felt this goose, like goosebumps and heat. And I felt all this move of the spirit on me. Never experienced it. So I'm still like, what's going on? But at the same time, I'm liking it. But at the same time, I'm feeling a little weird. At the same time, I'm feeling all these weird emotions. And I don't even know what it is. I just know the Holy Spirit's moving. About 10 minutes later, I finally, I felt like I had composed myself. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm sorry. I don't know what that was. I don't know what's going on. But while I'm saying it, there was about a handful of young people were crying in the back. They begin to experience it. Mm 
And so I'm like, wow, I don't know what's going on, everybody. And so I hesitated because I didn't know what to do. So I had the worship team come up and just play for a minute. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't know what else to do because this is all new to me. I didn't really, I didn't even really know how to preach at this time yet. I'm still learning. I'd already been ministering a year and I still didn't really know how to preach yet. And um, all of a sudden, about five minutes later, after I stopped crying, there's some young people in the back. They're crying. Well, I got leaders ministering to them because they don't know what's going on, but yeah. they're being touched. Right. They're experiencing what I experienced. Right. And then all of a sudden, everybody's kind of looking to me like what to do. So I begin to share. I'm like, okay, guys, I don't know what that was about. I kind of laughed. I chuckled a little bit. And I said, I don't know what's going on with me. And I laughed again. I'm like, what is going on? And I couldn't stop laughing. I just started wow. busting up. I'm like, what is going on with me? Wow. And all of a sudden, everybody else starts laughing because I couldn't even stand all of a sudden. I never experienced this. So youth and leaders, I remember being there, I remember watching this. I was part of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm acting as if I wasn't, but right. everyone was crying. Cr- now they're laughing. Now everybody's laughing. And now that's so funny to watch me on the floor laughing because I'm like, everybody knows I am not that kind of guy. Everybody knows I am not the guy that's real flamboyant and showy. And I, I thought of something really quick before we go any further. Mm-hmm. What was the account of kids that actually went to this youth? Okay, so what we, the account of people that we had that went, you understand, I only averaged about 10. It, yes, that's why I'm asking about you. About 10. Yes. Sometimes we'd hit that 15 mark for that first year, but, it, yes. but average was between 8 to 10 kids on every thir- week. On Thursday night. On a Thursday night. And it was just me and Cindy. Mm-hmm. For the first several months before I even had leaders. I didn't even have leaders at that time. Right. Other than the teachers that were teaching on Sunday morning. Right. So after during this camp, we ended up with somehow getting 64 kids. Yeah. I don't even know where they came from. Yeah. And I found out later, many of them actually went to church. Yes, I just did. didn't know it. Yeah. Never had met them. Mm-hmm. And I'd been there a year and didn't even know these kids were gone. And all these kids start showing up. Yeah. Oh, we want to go to camp. We want to go to camp. And I'm like, oh, I, wow. I, I remember last minute they're paying their paying their Last fee. minute kids are paying their fee. And I'm like, oh, I was so excited. I'm like, wow, all these kids want to go to camp. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was even more excited. The revival is going to start at the camp. Well, it never did with this minister. And it ends up God used fell on me yeah i mean it, it's most fitting only because you're the one crying for it yeah and i was the one crying for it and so god hit me i start laughing all of a sudden it spread like fire within yes. the, all of it and the, the kids start and then i had a good friend of mine who was with me up front because i couldn't stand so he was helping me stand i'd never experienced that like that ever that heavy yeah. i experienced like a little times there was moments i'd felt a little woozy. i couldn't even stand I was so weak in the knees. The Holy Spirit was on me. So heavy. And I'll never forget, he turned to me and he says, you know it's time. And I said, what do you think? He goes, start believing that they're going to get receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so I was like, I think you're right on. And so I started praying. We had kids that were literally gangbangers that had went with us. They started speaking in tongues. Not only did they start speaking in tongues, when they got back, these were some of the happiest kids I'd ever seen. They went from this always having a scowl on their face, mm-hmm. always claiming their territory, always mean, to now they wanted Jesus more than anything. Now, so when we get back, this revival, mm-hmm. the very first Thursday we were back, not only did we not have 10 kids, mm-hmm. we went from the 64 that were with us. That Thursday we had like 80 people. 
Wow. I'm like, okay, so we had 64 at the camp. Now I have 80 in the youth service. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do. And in the next week, it was like 86. The next week was like 92. The next week was like 100. The next week was like 120. And we hit all the way up to 162. We tripled our camp output. And we literally, we went 18 times the amount of young, 16 times the amount of young people that we normally had on a Thursday night. To 162. To 162 was our biggest number. And other youth ministries were coming and seeing, yeah. checking this out. Right? Yeah, we were in two magazines. We, we our, our, our youth ministry had been placed into two magazines. One was a music magazine because we were really into the Kirk Franklin. Mm-hmm. And we w- had used a couple of the songs. And they were saying that, that the songs were part of the revival. Yeah. yeah and then we were yeah. in another, another small magazine, uh, a local magazine. Mm-hmm. And then from there... We not only had youth groups showing up in our services, we were getting Catholic people saved. Wow. They were giving their lives to the Lord. We had a Catholic youth minister get saved. Remember that. Uh, not only did we had that happen, but then we were being asked to other youth ministries because we were doing human videos in those days. I remember, yeah. And well, uh, one of them was to Delirious. One was the Delirious by uh, by Delirious. By Delirious. It was. Uh, um, Oh, I forget the oh, name. Oh, something like my affection. I, yeah. know, I remember the lyrics. I don't remember the title. I, I remember some of the lyrics too. But but anyway, it was by Delirious at that time, and it was a great human video uh, that ministered to people. So we were traveling. Well, I say traveling. We were getting opportunities locally to minister to other youth ministries and other places. And so you saw in this revival salvations. Mm-hmm. You saw a growing youth, but you also saw youth hungry to do yeah. the things of God. Oh, they were in. They were ministering to their friends left and right. They were going to school and praying for people overnight. Oh, they went from wow. "Don't See, talk to me" it. to that's "I'm it. telling everybody." Wow, that's real revival. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question: Is before you started praying or declaring for revival, when did you first hear about it? I mean, you were very you were raised in a conservative Christianity home where revival. I'm assuming it wasn't really talked about. No, we never talked about revival. I, I'd probably heard about it. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't even remember what got me started on the whole revival yeah. thing, to be honest. With you. I think it was because I remember part of it was because I was here getting earshots of the Brownsville revival in Florida at the time, mm-hmm. the Brownsville assembly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what it was. I think I'd been hearing about the revival that was going on. Yeah. Well, I was kind of keeping up on it, reading about it in magazines. Well, then from there, I heard about the Toronto blessing, and then I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Then I heard about Benny Perez up in Washington, yeah. up in Kent, Washington. Then I heard yeah. about the Smithton revival, and I started reading about all these different revivals because they were very interesting to me. And it sparked something. And it sparked something in me, and I was like, "Lord, that's what I want." And I'll never forget that. And I realized that's what I wanted. Wow. And so I began to do research on it and find out more about it, and. And I started just really keeping up with my ear to the ground about other revivals that were happening all throughout the world. Wow. And just started reading about them and, you know, keeping up with what was going on in their uh, ministries and stuff. Now, you went from not knowing how to preach Mm -hmm. before this revival. And now, during during this revival... Yeah. How's that going? They're ministering while preaching. All of a sudden, it changed the way I preached. It, it, It... it put a fire in me, which I always wanted, but I was always afraid to just kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. Never really just let it go. And secondly, I didn't know how to think of anything else 
any other type of message. Yeah. So I was kind of on repeat for the first year, it seemed like. I'd always kind of bring up the same things. And and I still kind of do it today at a little bit, but at least overall, the overall general, yeah. it's still different. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I really did learn how to speak. But I was starting to listen to these other ministers and realizing, oh, wow, there's there's a broader range of messaging that I could bring to the table that I wasn't bringing originally. Wow. And when I finally figured that out, I started listening to these great ministers that I really naturally took to. Yeah. I was listening to their fire. I was listening to things they were saying. And I started mimicking some of their stuff. Mm -hmm. um, now, some people say, well, that's that's not good. Well... You can call it whatever you want, but what it did is it helped me to grow. Yeah. If nothing else, it helped me to grow. Front now and over the years, I started developing my own style mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with them anymore. Right. But I needed to hear that there was more out there. Wow. And since then, now I've developed into my own style. Um, some people say, "Well, who? You're a little bit like this person. Oh, you're like this person." I'm like, yeah. "No, I I might be. I might have. There might be similarities, but I trust me." If you look at my full way of presenting a message, it's it's pretty much just me. Yeah. There might be similarities, but every minister has similarities. Well, and, and you can't, when I think about you, I one word has been, has always come to mind since I've known you, and the word passion. Uh -huh. You're passionate about the word, and you're passionate about delivering this word, uh -huh. and you're passionate about the result of this word. Yes. So that's what I see. I see a man who's passionate about the word of God. Yep. And so I did. I, I really, it changed the way I... I ministered big time because I even, even my vocabulary increased. And, and with that, your, your ministry is, you know, you, you see yourself ministering well, preaching well. What else did you see change while you're up there behind that pulpit? With me or the ministry? What? Just what, as the gifts were flowing through you. And I guess well, that's what I'm trying to get to as far yeah. as that you saw healing. You saw a lot of miracles going on during this time as well. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't really worked in any prophetic gift at that point. Yes. After that, it was it was starting to come. The prophetic gifting had started showing up. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm getting inklings from the Lord here. Is it from God, though? Now, you never got this before. Never got this before. Um, and I wanted it. Uh, laying on of hands and seeing people healed. I had laid my hands on people and believed, but I just didn't really see it as a, a major gift in my life. But even though I wanted it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the gifting started flowing, and it built my faith. And all of a sudden, now today, when I pray for somebody, I'm expecting a healing. Right. I expect when I get in front of a church service that God may say something, yeah. and there's a prophetic word. I, all I know is that I just allow the Holy Spirit to move now. Yes. And in those days, that revival really helped me to understand how to do that. Wow. I love it. I got this quote. I was watching Heidi Baker yesterday. Yes. And she's experienced revival over there she's in amazing. Africa. Yes. She said this in one of her revivals, the Lord showed her, showed her letting go and holding on. Uh -huh. Letting go of the old and holding on to the new. Yeah. And she says that's how it, that was one of the things that the Holy Spirit spoke to her in the middle of an outpouring. Yeah. In order for it to grow, you have to let go and then hold on. Well, it's, it's real easy when there's a revival to kind of slip back into your old ways. That's it right there. It's extremely That's easy. Right there. Um, because when God comes in, that means, remember, whenever revival starts, it means he's doing a new thing. Wow, that's good. So you have to hold on to the new. Uh, and you have to let go of your old ways and get and, and really grab a hold of the new, and the, the new ways. And um, it's hard sometimes. 
because it's real easy to slip back into a place that's more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And she's totally right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when God moves in, it's a new thing happening. And that would explain the letting go Uh and then the the holding holding on. on. Yeah, and that means, because the old ways are usually revolve around what makes you comfortable. The new ways are completely uncomfortable. You're going to say things and do things that you're not comfortable with, but you've got to trust that it's God. And uh, it was just a new way of thinking, and it was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. And so going back to revival, and so you were experiencing things that no other, it seemed like no other youth were experiencing. Uh, Not in the town. There there was a couple of youth ministries that I was a part of that they, they were experiencing a move of God. During the same time, during the well, the, during the same time, but uh, uh, it wasn't until after ours kind of died down that theirs kind of grew, uh, their 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 fire. But they they were experiencing, but not at the same level we were. Yes. Um, and you know, and again, I don't want to talk out of turn because I I know them personally. Some of it gets manufactured, so you got to be careful that it doesn't become manufactured. What do you mean by manufacture? Well, we can create, we can, we can manufacture revival. Okay. And you, what will happen basically is a lot of people, they keep saying it's revival. They keep saying this is revival. They oh, keep okay. saying it's revival. Just when in reality, the, it's, the phrase. Just yeah, the phrase and revival. it's not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they manufacture the, he, the, the things that are going on. See, this is revival. And then they point to it as, oh, that's okay. revival. Okay. Uh, and that's not really revival. It's not, it's not something you manufacture. When the Lord really comes down, you'll know it. Yeah. And it'll be different than anything you've experienced because it changes your sleep patterns. It changes your thinking. It changes the environment of the way people want. In fact, you'll find people are naturally drawn to it and they don't even know why. And this is this is what I want to get to as well, what you're describing mm-hmm. here. This is These are the symptoms of revival. These are the characteristics, the attributes, if you will, yeah. of revival. And because we're going to experience this again. Before. Yes, we are. We're going to experience it soon. We're, we're on the verge of experiencing it, and it's going to come down to, you know, a lot of people like to use Acts chapter 2 as kind of the precedence of, well, that's revival. But but the more I've looked at it, I, I don't believe it is. Okay. Um, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was when revival hit, mm-hmm. but that's not what created the revival. Okay. okay, so if you look in Acts chapter 1, um, Jesus told them something very interesting in Acts chapter 1. Uh, and he said, and being assembled together with them, in other words, he was assembled with the disciples. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Look, the the, the first part of revival happening is somebody has, you have to be obedient. He told them what to do. That's good. And what happened was, is they, he said, don't depart. Now think about what would have happened. Let's, I don't believe for two minutes revival would have ever happened if they would have went ahead and departed Jerusalem. Oh, I agree with you. Okay, so the, the, they had to be obedient. They had to be. They had to start readying themselves for the revival. They had to start putting themselves in the position for revival to happen. Yes. yes. Okay. So they had to be obedient, and he commanded them. Okay. When you make a command, you have to be obedient to that command. Okay. And he says, "But wait for the promise." Now it comes down to time for waiting. If you're not waiting. You're not gonna see the you're not gonna see the promise that God wants to release. That is really good. So number one, obedience. obedience. Number, number two, two is you gotta wait. wait. That's the hard part is waiting on God. And so here they are. They're receiving a, a command to be obedient. They're receiving a promise. This will happen if you wait. That's good. 
And so this is, this is because a lot of people misinterpret. I've listened to revival and I'm always like, Lord, what, what is it? And every minister has their own thing. And I'm not saying it's not good. It's probably right on. But what the Lord began to show me is that, look, son, there's components to revival in order for it to take place that a lot of people aren't willing to do anymore. And they just think that we're just going to get together in prayer. It's like okay, but there's more to it than that. You got to be obedient. And we, I've, I've seen a lot of people throughout the years, Pastor, thinking that it's only predicated on praying. That's it. They think it's just predicated on praying, but they're not it's being not. obedient to anything he's told them, it's and are not willing to wait to the wait where he wants them to wait. I love it. Two key so, components right here to revival. Two key components. So watch this, and then he says, and then and he says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall baptize with the Holy Spirit, and not many days from now. So he's saying, look, wait and be obedient. And you'll receive the Holy Spirit. To me, this, this is almost like what Dick Mills faxed yeah. to Pastor Arthur yeah. on your behalf. Yeah. To me, that's like the facsimile that you received. Right. And so because of that, if Jesus would have said, look, if you don't be obedient and if you don't, don't wait, wait, you won't receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, he just told him. He said, the Holy Spirit's coming not many days from now. But wait, wait and obey. Wait and obey. That was the prerequisite for revival. Wait and obey. Now watch. Mm -hmm. And so watch what happens. And it says, therefore, when they had come together, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, when, when will they restore? So they're completely misinterpreting this whole this whole thing. They have no clue, man. Right. They have no clue. But he says right here, it's not time for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in authority. It's like all of a sudden he switches gears again. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be with you. Okay. So he's telling them what the revival will be like. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. So he's now he's telling them. So watch. After yes, go ahead. Waiting, after the waiting, the Holy Spirit comes upon. Yeah, and then he said the Holy Spirit will come upon you. They're thinking something different. They're thinking about the kingdom. He's I thinking, know. no, I'm telling you about what's going to happen when the kingdom comes down, yeah. not when the, you go to the, you know go to the kingdom. Mark. Yes, yes. He says, now when you've spoke, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. Okay, so toward heaven he went. Watch the same Jesus was taken up from heaven. Okay, okay, right here, verse twelve. Then they returned to Jerusalem. So they're doing what they were commanded to do uh, from the Mount called Olivet, which was near Jerusalem on a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. Okay. Now this is the interesting thing. Yeah. I've been reading this. Yeah. And um, a lot of people assume that there was 120 up in that room. I know. That's not what it says. I can't find that. It's not in there. Watch this. Verse 8, 15, though, it says that, right? It says, but now in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Here he's praying. Watch. It says, then he returned to Jerusalem. Okay. They went into the upper room and they were where they were staying. That's where they were spending the night. That was their hotel room. Right. They're literally staying in the place where they're sleeping. It says, Peter, James, John, Andrew goes on. James, son of... Okay. These all continued with one accord. These did. Not 120 others. It says these continued okay. with one accord. So they, now here's the other prerequisite. They all had to be in one mind. Unity. 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 They all had to be in unity. In prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So he, they say who was up in that upper room. Now watch. It says, and in those days. See, that separates the time period between this here and this here. Okay. And in those days... In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples 
Altogether, the number of the names who were 120 men and brethren. Okay, so this is a separate thing. But these, the ministers first had to begin to pray. They received it first. Yeah. Well, they had to start in one accord. My point is this. First, the ministers had to be obedient. Mm -hmm. The ministers have to find time and wait in prayer. The ministers need to be in one accord with other ministers. With other ministers and that probably is their own staff because they were all going to work together for a while. There's only one church. It's only one church. There's only one church. And so it started with the ministers getting the word from God. And guess who got the word from God? The Jesus. It was these men. Wow. They all heard the same thing. So as a pastor, what's God sharing to me? Mm. And then what am I on our staff and with our elders and our leaders am I going to share with you that we're all going to be in agreement on? Yeah. You see, if we're not all in agreement, and this is why most churches don't see revival. Because most churches and their staffs aren't even in agreement. Wow. That's why they don't see revival and it's impossible if they aren't all together. That is really good. But this is what happens when all of a sudden you get it. Now there'll be others. Now it says 120. Mm. Now you give it to the people. And as you give it to the people, now the Holy Spirit begins to fill them. So that's a picture of your youth ministry at that time. Yeah. You got it, and I then it. you gave it to your right. youth. And that leader, that leader, that leaned. Uh, that, I got it first. Exactly, you got it first. And that leader that was holding you up said, "It's time." It's time. He got it. Yeah, he got Th- it. Then he got it. Yeah, because it took the other leaders to get it and believe in it, mm-hmm. in order for now to trickle down to the to the listener, to those that were listening. Wow. And so they were praying first before yep. they went to tell others. And I'm I'm getting this here. Revival is very detailed. It's it very detailed, and you have to work. Yep, it takes work. It takes work. I mean, obviously, you again, you being through this, it takes work. Okay, mm-hmm. it takes work. And uh, I remember in those early days, because I got busy about the management of the ministry because it had changed our youth ministry so much. We were, had so many, and I was yeah. training leaders all of a sudden. Uh, we were out on the streets trying to minister more young people. Uh, we, we were counseling more. I was counseling more than ever. Our worship team had to grow. Our seating had to grow. A lot of things. We needed better technology. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started spending time more on the management of the ministry uh, and the mechanisms that make it work, the mechanics, than I did in prayer. And I remember at about, about a year later, it had really died down. And we weren't seeing the growth and all of a sudden the excitement that we had seen. And I really asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why, why did we, why did it die? Yeah. And he said, because you didn't do what I told you. Obedient. Obedient. And I said, Lord, what was that? He says, I told you to stay in prayer. If you would have stayed in prayer, this thing would have kept going because you would have kept hearing from me. Wow. And it would have kept the leaders in line. We'd all been in unity. Wow. It would have, it would have kept, the, but it has to be to you. I love what you're saying. It took, it takes obedience. Waiting, the Holy Spirit, unity, but to keep it going is prayer. It takes prayer to keep it going. So it wasn't prayer that initiated it. Mm-mm. It was obedience. Yeah, obedience. Waiting, waiting, Holy Spirit, and then unity. Yeah. And then prayer to maintain it. Yeah, prayer takes to maintain it. This is really good. Yeah, it was really good. And so God wants us to have revival. Yeah. But it's you got to remember, to, to really get revival, there has to be some sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Because it's not easy. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean by sacrifice, Pastor? You know, how long are you willing to pray? What are you willing to do to be obedient? 
it, it's not easy. That's good, man. That kind of obedience is really hard on the body sometimes. It's hard on the mind. And what most people understand is that revival, you know, from our church, mm-hmm. is going to be your burden Yeah. as the pastor. Not mine yeah. as, as the associate. I'll help you. I'll help, right. We'll help facilitate change. We'll help facilitate prayer, whatever it takes to right. facilitate the Holy Spirit. Make him accommodated. But primarily, it's going to rest on your shoulders. It is. And it really is. Because the pastor has to make a decision. Am I going to be a revivalist or a pastor? Mm. He can be both. Mm. It just gets really hard because it means that a lot of his time is consumed now with other things, deeper spiritual things, yeah. and still having to maintain his church. And so that's that's that's, really that's why a lot of ministers are like, man, do I really want do it? We really want <laughs> it that really bad because it, man. it means going to a different level and more time. Like you said, sacrifice and more time. the sacrifice, man. Mm-hmm. You know, right now your kids are grown. Mm-hmm. Your kids are grown. Your youngest right now is Jared. Give me twenty one. Yeah, here in a few weeks. Yep. And uh, I'm not saying that this is precursor for revival, but at least you know, if it did, at least your kids are grown. They're not babies anymore. No. And I will say, I've never seen revival begin. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't. I've never seen revival not not be, begin without it being a, without a minister as the one that it went through first. Mm-hmm. If you go look at all the great revivalists of the past, they were all ministers. Yeah, Stephen Hill. Stephen with, Hill. With the, with the Stephen Hill. Go look at God's generals like uh, uh, um, uh, Evans, uh, Bob Evans, not Bob Evans. Uh, um, I can't remember his name now. Yeah. Something Evans and, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Coe and all of these, oh, you know, A.A. Yeah. Allen yeah. and, you know, some of the ones back in Catherine Kuhlman and, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many of them of the past. Maria, um, Maria, Maria Woodworth Edder and, yeah, there's so many. Uh, it know. started with the minister. It all started with the minister first seeking it and being obedient and then it somehow trickled and with their leaders they would come together and pray and then from there they would take it to the people. You know, Pastor, when you say that, and having read that book myself, God's Generals, it was a lifestyle in, it, in, in these ministers. Pastor. It was a lifestyle they live. When I think of, St- again, Stephen Hill at the Pensacola Revival, having learned a little bit about him, his lifestyle, man, was just God. It was. Word. It was all God and the Word, and you know, and it's not easy to maintain revival, even in the best of situations. Uh, and I've seen lots of ministers, they've had revival, and then all of a sudden you don't they don't you don't hear about them much because they know how hard it is to maintain and they're exhausted and it's exhausting revival is very exhausting because there's no such thing as a revival where you only have one church service now mm-hmm. i remember john kilpatrick you know kind of wrapping this up here uh i remember watching him he was on uh, a show and he was talking about his experience mind you 10 years had passed since the end of the pensacola revival yes. mm-hmm. he's no longer the pastor of that church any longer right. he stepped down and um uh, listening to him, he says it was so exhausting, so taxing on his body. It is. The, the the only way you could really get through revival if you did it right is to say, okay, I'm going to be at church, you know, X amount of days or X amount of hours. And then I'm going to trust associate to take over these next two days or leaders Mm -hmm. delegate and delegate and just say, I've got to go find about three to four days worth of rest. And I'm going to work really hard three or four days a week. And what that would do is it would allow ministers like that when they're going through revival to say, okay, I don't have to be at every meeting Mm -hmm. because most revival meetings, it's new people coming into the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. It's not the same people every day because they still have to work. Right. 
but the leaders are always the same. It's still the same staff members coming in day in, day out. Well, they can't be there seven days a week. The other people in the church aren't there seven days a week for every revival meeting. Mm -hmm. They might be there three days a week, but they're not there seven days a week. The staff, though, is there seven days a week when there's a revival. And it's like, no, pastor needs to say, okay, Sundays are my day. Wednesdays are my day, Thursdays are my day. I'll be at church all day long and we'll go in and I'll be in those meetings. But Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday are my days. You know, something like that in other words. However, he chooses to work it. But you can't give, and that's what they do. This is why most ministers are just like, oh man, they stop praying. The reason why they stop praying is because the revival requires so much prayer. Yeah. And they shouldn't. They should just take days off, even from that. And I don't mean to keep going, but one of the things he had said was that um, he was at church seven days a week. Yes. And he said yes. that he was so tired, Pastor, that one day he took a nap in, in on the pew. And he's like, I got to get up. And the guy, I can't remember who it was, one of his staff said, hey, we're going to open the church. You've got to get up. He goes, I can barely open my eyes. And the moment he sat up, instant energy. Yeah. But one of the things he said he learned, like you said, get rest. Is yeah. Get rest. And if if we ever go when we when we go through revival, I'm never I'm not going to allow leaders to be there seven days a week. Then I'm going to say, okay, ignorant. look, you're going to get these three days, and you'll get these three days or whatever. And mm. you know, because I know that when revival happens, we want to be there all the time too. Yes. And I get that because yes. revival is exciting and fun. I've yes. been it. Yes. But it doesn't matter. You still need to make sure you spend time in the presence of God alone, not with the people every day. Yeah. You still need to make sure that you keep your batteries charged by getting rest and yes. spending time with your family yes. and eating well. Yes. And then come back revived for those next three days and give it all you got again. Man, I love Pastor. And these are really good keys. Honestly, when revival hits, mm-hmm. like you said, it's going to. Yeah. People who are listening obviously you're going to know this would help ministers because a lot of them have gone through revival but they're afraid to pray for it back i was i was afraid for it to come back because i knew how much work it takes but in reality you don't have to work that hard what you do and it's not just about delegating it's about just simply making sure that you manage the time of the people that are going to be there a lot so the ones that are going to be there a lot you tell them they don't have to be there every day and make sure that everything is done so everybody gets rest I love it, man. This is really good, Pastor. I'm glad we were able to share your heart mm-hmm. in your experience with revival. This is what I really wanted for Saw. You know, just again, and I love the way you broke down Acts chapter one. Yeah. You know, to help really help us uh, facilitate wisdom and knowledge in our yeah. hearts. What, what's going to take to get revival and keep yes. revival? And obviously, through your experience, right. you've actually now you know what it is to maintain right. it. Yeah. When it when it happens, because it will to maintain it. And you said prayer. Just prayer. Just staying close to the Lord in prayer and maintain it because now when you're staying close, you're being you're you're listening for His word for yeah. that moment. Well, there you have it, listener. We pray that you were encouraged and you got some really deep insight on what revival is, and it's going to happen again. Yeah. And you watch, watch, continue watching Powerhouse Church. You're going to see revival hit Amen. hit our church, and as you're watching, in Jesus' name, it's going to hit you. So, listener, we love you so much. Thank you again. Like it. Share this message. Honestly, share this podcast. And let somebody who you just is burning on your heart, give it to them. Forward to them or however, however it is you need to give it to them. But give it to them. This, this podcast, I believe, is going to help people. We love you so much. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. Power Talk Podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Church. You can find us at fellowship.fm and Spotify. 
If you would like more information, prayer, or want to contact us, go to powerhousechurch.us.